This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 15. Episode 30. This is Writing Excuses. Write what you want to know with Laurel K. Hamilton. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. <laughs> I'm Brandon. I'm Howard. I'm Dan. And we have special guest star Laura K. Hamilton. Hi. Woo-hoo. Hi, everybody. Glad to be here today. And we are recording live at SpikeCon. SpikeCon, which uh, this year, uh, 2019, is also the host of the North American Science Fiction Convention, NASFIC. And we are very happy to be here. And um, so, write what you want to know. Laurel, you're the one who pitched this idea to us, and it was really pithy and we loved it. Where did you come up with this phrase? What does it mean? One of the things that I, I have always had a bugaboo about since college is one of the things they tell you in the writing courses is write what you know. They say write what you know. Well, you know, I was a Midwestern girl raised in farm country, raised below the poverty level. I didn't really want to write what I knew. Uh, I wanted to write about, you know, fantasy things. I wanted to write about dragons, like Amy Catherine, you know, dragons of Pern. I wanted to write about the fantastic. Well, there wasn't a lot of fantastic in my life. So I get into college, I tell you, write what you know. And the teachers really get mad at you that you wanted to write something that didn't exist. So I thought, no, I want to know about... X or Y. I want to know about, like for uh, when I sat down to write the Anita Blake series, I didn't know anything about guns. I'd shot one gun in my entire life. And I had a series where she carries a gun to work with the police. I had to go out and find out about guns and do research. I found out about what I was, I wanted to know. Um, So pick something you want to know. What you're interested in as a writer. If you're Most of us that write fantasy and science fiction, we want to write about something that makes us happy or that we're fascinated by or that horrifies us, something that moves us emotionally. And for those of us that write in the genre, that is going to be something that we're not going to be able to do in our real life. So we have to write about what we want to know. One of the things that I love about this concept is that... um, I mean, when I've heard it spun before, it's been, oh, don't bother with write what you know. You can go research and, you know, figure out the stuff that you don't know. The difference here is the passion that's going to go into what you want to know. And yeah, you want to write about dragons. You want to write a hard fantasy novel that has something to do with the way in which dragons fly. And, I mean, if that's what you're passionate about, you're going to study bird wings and bat wings and uh, and some aerodynamics and pieces of your story, because that's what you're excited about, pieces of your story are going to grow out of that research in ways that that will grab readers because it grabbed you. You were passionate about it. It's what you wanted to know. And one of the things I found is as you research real... In, like, I wanted to put zombies. I my main character raises zombies. So I actually researched real voodoo. And there are no such thing as shambling dead in real voodoo. I'm just gonna say that up front. It doesn't exist, I'm sorry. No matter what the movies say, it doesn't exist. 
but I did my research in real voodoo, and it came up with other ideas. And I, I finally said somebody was in an audience and had was a practitioner. This was their religion, and I was waiting for them to lambaste me. And he came up, and I, he says, thank you for doing the research in my, my faith. He says, most people ignore it and treat it like, like it doesn't exist, and they don't do real research. I said, yes, but the Shambly movie zombies, I still use them. He says, yeah, but they're so cool. <laughs> so if you do your research, you find out other ideas and things, and also people will forgive you for going that one step further. And... I wanted to write about the monsters in the real world, as everybody knowing them, and I'm still having a great time. Give yourself enough toys when you're writing. Don't, don't, you want to be having fun. Think of yourself as seven, and you want all your toys. Well, uh, if I wrote a straight mystery series, I don't think I'd be in the 20 plus book. Uh, of a series because I wouldn't be having fun. I have a great time every time I sit down to write because I gave myself enough toys that interest me. And be passionate about your writing. You have to be interested. Yeah, I, l- I like to think that research has kind of two main benefits. And that story you told shows both of them. Number one, you're getting the right stuff right. And people who know what they're talking about are not going to throw the book across the room because you wrote guns or horses or whatever it is wrong. The other thing is you are buying goodwill with that research so that then you can get other stuff wrong and people will go along with it because it's cool. Yes, very, very much so. Um, But think about, make a list of the things. As a beginning writer, make a list of the things that interest you. Look at what you love. Look at what you've loved since you were small. And make a list of that, because think about it. Not only can you be a writer, but you can write about the things that, at five, I would beg to stay up and watch uh, Boris Karloff in the original Frankenstein by myself, because no one would watch it with me. (laughs) And I was begging at five to watch a monster movie, and now here I am all these years later, that's what I write. Find out what you love and and do that. You know, Dan taught me this lesson. Um, actually, because it goes back to the, the origin of I'm Not a Serial Killer, his first novel that w- was published. And um, if we can kind of look at our careers when we were young in this way, like we thought that we just needed to write what was being published, right? Mm-hmm. The things that we read a lot, we were trying to mimic those, which is how a lot of writers begin. You read a lot, you mimic what's being published. Um, what we hadn't kind of hit upon yet was what are we going to add to this? What, what little aspect of the genre is really fascinating to us that we can balloon into being our thing? For me, it was magic systems. For Dan, it was a conversation on the way home from writing group where we were talking about his fascination with serial killers. Um, and Dan, you'd always it's been writing epic fantasy. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I grew up reading fantasy and assumed that I would be a fantasy author and wrote five really terrible fantasy novels. They were not really terrible. They were just moderately (laughs) terrible, like all of ours were at that time. Uh, But it wasn't until I learned this lesson that Laurel's talking about of, you know, what are you passionate about? Well, serial killers, and I'm not ashamed of that. Um, And sitting down saying, and and I, I think what Brandon said was, you always talk about this stuff, why don't you just you know, stop flirting with it and write about it. I don't know if those are the words he used, but that's, that's the message. Um, and I did. And some of that I didn't have to do a lot of research on because I'd kind of spent my whole life learning everything I could about abnormal psychology and serial killer behavior. Other parts I had to do copious amounts of research 
so that a mortician would not, again, throw the book across the room when I talk about an embalming or something like that to make Homeless sure I got it right. population in our, uh, our, our town dropped by like 80%. <laughs> Lots of hands-on research. Okay, on that. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's stop for our book of the week. <laughs> uh, Laurel, you're going to tell us about Noir Fatal. Sorry, you distracted me. I'm going, wait. Um, uh, I uh, am in a short story anthology called Noir Fatal. It just came out about a month ago. I think, and it has, for me, an original Anita Blake uh, short story called Sweet Seduction, and uh, Larry Korea's in it, uh, David Weber's in it, I am blanking, I'm I'm going, I'm terrible with names, I can see everybody's face, nope. Lots of really great writers. It is lots of really great writers, and it's based on the idea of the film fatale from, uh, from the old movies. Uh, the old North movies, and the femme fatale in any way you wanted to do it was science fiction, fantasy, and horror. So we're taking the genre of the uh, detective, private detective, Sam Spade and everything, and mixing it with our genre and what we love most. So it was a lot of fun to sit down and try to do something short where I usually get to write so long, and I love short stories. And one of the things, uh, a short a short story anthology is like one of those compilations that they used to do before you could download every song. Uh, and you would find musicians you had not heard before and sometimes things you really love. Anthologies are like that. It's like a preview. You buy it for one person and then you find somebody else that you love. And then you have a new author to follow. Awesome. So, Noir Fatal, uh, Bane Books put that out. If you are here yes. at the con, there's a whole page ad for that book in the program book, so look that up. If you're listening to this online, you can find it everywhere, I assume. So, Laurel, we'll, for my next uh, kind of next part of the podcast, let's talk about your process of doing research. Let's say you've come up with something you want to know. It's a you know, there's a bit of it that you're really fascinated by. You've always wanted to, um, to learn more about it. What is your first step? Where do you go? First up is books and reading about it. 
for the Mary Gentry series, I researched anthropology. Uh, okay, first of all, I grew up with a... Uh, my, my grandmother was Scotch-Irish, so she would tell me instead of the boogeyman if I wasn't good that uh, bloody bones would get me, raw head and bloody bones would get me, which is a Scottish nursery bogle and from the border countries of Scotland. Of all the things for my family to keep, that one bit of folklore actually narrowed the geographic area where my family comes from for generations. And I thought, growing up like that, I knew something about the fae and uh, in Scotland and Ireland and England. No, not really. I thought I did. So started with what I thought I knew and then go to books. And one of the things I do is I make sure that I, books, not the internet. <laughs> I'm sorry, you can start at the internet, it's a jumping off point, but you actually have to make sure it is a book and not someone's opinion on the internet. Because contrary to popular opinion, just because it's on the internet doesn't make it real. So don't just take one source either. Take multiple sources. So start off with books. And then if you need an expert, if I want to talk to an anthropologist or a psychologist about the belief in fairies and how that had affected people and is it, how is it treated? Is it still thought of as a delusion or do people still believe? Like I went back to the 1700s to folklorists that went out and interviewed people that had actually seen the High Court of the Fae. Not as a delusion, but actually said, no, they came to my farm, they rode by. And so first do your book research before you talk to a person that you're taking their time up for. I really sincerely believe so you'll have better questions. Don't just go to somebody and say, you know, tell me everything you know about X or Y. You need good questions because you don't want to waste their time. Their time is valuable. Um, and so start with books. I now have two shelves of books on the fair, on, on Fay and anthropology and archaeology and anything in that in that area. And it is taught me things about my own folklore that I grew up with with my grandmother that I realize now that some of it she made up. <laughs> you know, she started with a little kernel of truth and then she kind of built on it. Or, her, or my grandfather, great-grandfather did because she believed everything my great-grandfather said was gospel. So somebody in my family told a few big windies, as they used to say. <laughs> I guess it runs in the family. You know, when I'm, when I'm starting research on anything, I, I try to remember the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is when you don't know enough to know just how little you know. You're, you're too dumb to know how dumb you are. Um, imagine for a moment that you are sitting in a car and there's a place you want to be and there's a person standing next to the car and you ask them for directions and they give you directions and you don't know how to drive the car. <laughs> okay, that's Dunning-Kruger. The directions you just got will not get you there because you don't even know how to start. Uh, one of the things that I've learned, a skill that I have developed, um, when I search for things on the internet, I search for a lot of things on the internet, sorry, Laurel. When I search for things on the internet, one of the first things that comes up is gonna be the Wikipedia page. And I've gotten really good at skimming it and looking for keywords that I don't recognize, that are linked, and I will click them to pop open new tabs, and all I am doing now is learning about steering wheels and drive shafts and 
stick shifts, and oh wait, automatic transmission, that's gonna make it easier, and, and filling my head with that. And then I jump down into the bibliography and start finding books. But I'm not actually looking for the books because I'm way too lazy to go get a book. What I'm looking for is the names of the people who wrote the books, because often what I can find is that person's blog in which they will say something about this topic. And after, okay, this is time consuming. I'm four hours in at this point, depending on the topic. Um, but at this point, I know enough of the keywords that when I start reading those blog pages, the knowledge is dropping and I have hooks to hang it on. And now if I go talk to somebody, I'm gonna be able to get directions to Shopco and make the car go there. Uh, one of the things uh, for, you can use the internet as a jumping off point, you just can't stop there. Mm -hmm. And the other thing you cannot do is use other people's fiction as your only research. You'd be amazed yeah. at how many people yeah. try to do that. But I also start with like a book that has in its title encyclopedia or uh, dictionary of, uh, uh, the dictionary of uh, fairies and there's a long title that goes with it, Catherine Briggs, that was the, one of the jumping off points for the Mary books. And so if it says encyclopedia or dictionary, you have usually a lot of information, small bits, and they have a great bibliography. If it doesn't have a great bibliography, don't, don't use it for your research because you don't know if they did their research or not. And I could never do it the way you did it, Howard. My dyslexia would slaughter me. <laughs> I, I can't do keywords. I can't skim that fast. I, about, oh gosh, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I recognized that I had an I.O. problem. I didn't type fast enough and I didn't read fast enough. And so I learned to touch type via Dvorak and learned to speed read. And that saved some time. I, I can, I touch type just fine, but I have trouble skimming yeah. because of the dyslexia. So yes, yes, I am dyslexic. Lucky for me, it's the middle of the word that moves. The ends of the word stay still for me. And that means that I can kind of figure it out, what it says and what it reads. Um, for those who have dyslexia where a whole word moves, that's much harder. We are actually out of time. This has been um, a great topic um, and a great audience. Thank you, audience from SpikeCon. Laurel, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, do you have, by chance, a writing prompt you can give our audience? Uh, do I have a writing prompt? Um, I was walking home from work one day. Start with anything. Start with anything. Any sentence. Start with anything. And write from there. Because what I've found that stops a lot of beginning writers is they don't have they stop themselves before they start. And sometimes they have the fish head, and the fish head is what you chop off so you have a fish you can cook. Until you sit there and write, you don't know how, you don't know if you are writing fish head or story, but to get your whole fish to fry up for your story, you have to write the stuff at the beginning. Just get started, take that first step. So our fish head prompt is, I was walking home from work one day. And go. Yeah. Thank you so much awesome. for being on Thank the podcast. Thank you very much. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, 
and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.